Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You are listening to the Qadam podcast, the series on the tafsir of Surah Yusuf. The meaning, the read-through, and the breakdown, and the commentary of the 12th chapter of the Qur'an here at Qadam Institute podcast. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, as-salatu wassalam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'een. So the goal today, inshallah, is to finish by around 8.20. So everyone can kind of, inshallah, enjoy some food out there. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the, the idea is that we finish the class first and then get food. But alhamdulillah, some people obviously uh, are so excited about the food. Maybe they start with the food and finish with the class, inshallah. Either way, either way, it's good, alhamdulillah. So we are picking up the, the class now uh, in ayah number, I believe we are on ayah number 48, Okay. So ayah number 47 and 48, just to kind of refresh everyone's mind, the king has had a dream where he basically has seen, and the dream was rather funny, right? Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting type of dream that he has had. And he says that I have seen seven large healthy cows devouring seven skinnier cows. And then I have seen uh, very beautiful years of harvest and greenery, and then I've seen, you know, years of absolute uh, thin and dying crops. And what, what does this mean? And so he all, was telling this to all of the people that are around him at that time. So all of his, you know, people that used to work for him, his emissaries, all these other people he was asking this question to. And so amongst asking this question to all of his workers, one of them the one who actually left the prison after Yusuf had interpreted his dream, he went to the king and he says, well, I know somebody who can interpret this dream. And we remember last week, we spoke very, very heavily on the principle of which means that when a person doesn't know something in their life, it's imperative for that person to ask someone, ask someone of knowledge. In kuntum la ta'lamun, when you do not know the answer to something. Okay? It's not befitting of a Muslim to make up something when they don't know something, know about something. Rather, it's more befitting of a Muslim to say, la adri, I don't know. I'm not sure what the answer is, and go find the answer and then say the answer. The reason why people don't like asking people about things is because it makes the ego feel a little bit bad. Right? So if someone's coming up to you for some advice and they say, you know, I'm coming up to you because I trust you and I feel like you have a good answer to this. And all of a sudden you realize you actually don't have an answer to this. The ego wants to say something just so the ego doesn't feel that that person will think that they're dumb. Right? So if someone's coming up to me and said, you know, Imam, I have this question. And I sincerely don't know the answer to this question. But my ego doesn't like that feeling. The ego wants to feel like it knows everything. So when that person asks the question, we want to leave that person with something where they don't think that I don't know about it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلِ الذِّكْرِ You have to ask somebody who knows. إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ When you do not know about something in life. Because giving somebody a wrong answer is a huge burden upon the soul. Especially when it comes to Islam, imagine if somebody gives an answer according to Islam that is completely false. 
Somebody comes and asks and says, hey, you know, what do you think? You know, should I do X, Y, and Z according to my religion? And I tell them, well, this is haram. Or I tell them, well, this is halal. And the answer is completely the opposite. Now what I have done is that I have made something permissible for somebody that's actually impermissible. And I have made or I have made something impermissible, which is actually halal. And this is completely not acceptable in our deen. So to rid the soul of the burden of having that, 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 Amana on it. It's better to say, La Adri, I don't know, but I can ask somebody who does know. But it takes a little bit of training of the soul to be able to do this. Okay? So he goes to Yusuf alayhi salam, and in verse number 46, this man, this ex prisoner, he goes up to Yusuf and he says, Yusuf, ayyuhas siddiqu. So he says, Oh Yusuf, ayyuhas siddiq. Oh Yusuf, oh man of truth. So he's almost like sweetening him up a little bit, right? And he's calling him by something that he knows he like. And by the way, this is not something that is technically wrong in Islam. That if you're trying to get advice from somebody, you don't just go up there and say, hey, I need, I need to talk to you about something. Unfortunately, we see this happen in our communities a lot. Where people, you know, they, they want to ask questions or they want to say something, but they lose all the adab of asking questions. There's an adab of asking questions. There's a way to ask questions. You don't just say, hey, I have something to tell you. You say, hey, do you have a minute of time? Can I, can I ask you something if you have some time? This is the better way of doing it. There were narrations of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu who used to literally sit in the street and wait for somebody to cross paths with him before he asked them a question. Why? Because he says, I don't want to bother anybody. That's the way he used to think. Unfortunately, in today's day and age, we have such an entitled mentality where we think that our time is more valuable than everyone else's. So if I have a question, you better have an answer. Right? And this is something that is completely taught against in our deen. Right? So he goes up to Yusuf alayhi salam and he says, Yusuf, ayyuhas siddiqu. He says, Aftina fi sab'i baqaratin simanin ya'kuluhunna sab'u ijafun wa sab'in sunbulatin khudrin. Okay, wa akhara ya bisatil la'alli arji'u ilan nasi la'allahum ya'lamun. He says, Oh Yusuf, man of truth, explain to us the meaning of this dream. I basically recited the ayah that talks about the dream seven healthy cows eating seven skinnier cows and seven green spikes and others that were dry. So he goes, So I can return to my people, la'alli arji'u ilan nas. So I may go back to my people and perhaps they will know about the meaning of these dreams. Okay, so Yusuf alayhi salam, he responds to this man. And remember, this is, by the way, a very prophetic character. Because this was the man that Yusuf alayhi salam, he told, when you leave this prison, you go tell your king about me. Why? Because I want my freedom. So tell him that I'm an innocent man who's being kept in prison against my will. Go tell him so that I can be freed. Now, did this man remember or did he forget? He forgot. He forgot. So when he comes up to Yusuf alayhi salam and he goes, Oh, my king had another dream I need to ask you about. Yusuf alayhi salam, I can, wallahi man, subhanAllah, it's so interesting. I always think about certain examples in the Quran and how we would respond to it. So if someone we asked for a favor left us long time ago and they completely forgot about us and they come back asking for another favor, our immediate response would be, oh, look who came back. 
Look who's here for more help, right? What do you need now? Almost like a sarcastic tone, right? We take with people. Oh, look, you need another dream interpreted? Oh, I know a guy who can explain it to you, but it's not me because I remember what you did to me last time, right? This is a very common example, by the way. People, they get upset. And because of that, 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 that upset nature, they almost ridicule or mock or get, get, get witty and petty with the person, right? So Yusuf Islam, he does none of this. Because at the end of the day, none of his intentions are selfish. Why did he interpret the dream of one of the prisoners? Because he said, you know, this is something that is good. Allah Ta'ala has given me a gift. But as an afterthought, he said, if you get a time where you can explain to your king that I'm innocent, please do so. It was never for the intention, I'll do you a favor, I'll scratch your back if you scratch my back. This is not how we function in our religion, by the way. We don't do favors for people just so we can have those favors returned for us. Another evidence of this in the Quran is Musa alayhi salam who helped the daughters of Shu'ayb. When Musa alayhi salam helped the daughters of Shu'ayb, what did he go do? After he helped them with their, with their cattle, getting some water from the well, he went and he made a very beautiful dua. Rabbi inni lima anzalta ilayya min khayrin faqir. He didn't say, oh, you know, since I helped you water those, get water for those animals, you know, I, I think I deserve some payment. Uh, you, know, you know, I think I deserve a favor in return. This is not a part of our deen. We don't do favors for people just so we can have those favors returned at a time that is opportune for us. We do favors for people because it's out of the goodness of our hearts and for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if I donate to the masjid, I donate $1,000 or $2,000 or $5,000 or even whatever amount of money it is. I don't give that donation with strings attached. Wallahi, I've seen this happen before in my life. Oh, I'll give $20,000, but I want that event hall built. I'll give that $50,000 you're asking for, but I better get my banquet hall. I mean, brother, this is... Wallahi, I tell people this, by the way. That if this is the reason why you're giving money, then we don't need it. Wallahi, we don't need it. Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala will provide in some other way. I don't believe that people's donations should be attached or any sort of good deed should be attached with anything. If you do it, you do it for the sake of Allah. It's actually for your own good. Right? It's for your own good. And so Yusuf alayhi salam... He responds to this man with the interpretation without any sort of holding back. He says, قَالَ تَرْزَعُونَ سَبْعَ سِنِينَ دَاءَبًا فَمَا حَصَدْتُمْ فَدَرُوهُ فِي سُنْبُلَةٍ Okay, سُنْبِلِهِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِمَّا تَأْكُلُونَ He says, you will plant for seven years consecutively and what you harvest, leave in its spikes, except a little, illa qalila mimmata kulun, except for a little that which you will eat. So basically, he's saying that you will experience seven years consecutively of beautiful harvest. Beautiful harvest. So there'll be seven years where all of your vegetation will grow in a very beautiful way. And in those seven years, you must remember to do one thing you can eat from it, but you should harvest, you should, you should, you should save it. Save it. Save your money. Don't spend it all at one go. This is like classic financial advice right here. If you have great years of savings and all these different things, don't go out and buy yourself eight new cars that year. Because there will come a time where inevitably you will need that extra money. So save your money, eat a little bit, but then save the rest of it. So he says, illa mimma ta'kulun. So eat only a little bit. And then he says, he says, then will come after seven very difficult years, seven very hard years, 
After those seven easy years will come in seven very hard years. يَأْكُلْنَا مَا قَدَّمْتُمْ لَهُنَّ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِمَّا he says, and then will come seven difficult years which you will consume what you saved, except a little from which you will store. So basically Yusuf is giving very wise advice here. He's saying, when you experience good fortune with your vegetation, with your, with your, with your, with your vegetables and your agriculture, you should save the majority of it and eat a little bit. Don't be too extravagant. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't love those who do things in excess. Allah Ta'ala likes people who do things that are, they're moderate, they're balanced. There's, no, there's nothing in the religion that says don't buy nice homes. There's nothing in the religion that, that, that says don't buy nice cars. There's nothing in this religion that doesn't say buy nice clothes. No, no, everything's allowed. Everything's halal. I'll give you guys a, 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 a ruling right now. And because it's not my own personal ruling. That's why I'm comfortable saying this. Everything in Islam is deemed halal unless proven otherwise. Everyone understand this? Unfortunately, culturally, we're taught the opposite. Right? Growing up, everyone thinks, no, 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 haram, 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 haram. Until I find out something is halal, then it's okay. No, 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 it's quite literally fiqh-wise, it's the opposite. Unless something has been definitively proven as haram, it is technically halal. Now, there's obviously gray area where a person might feel uncomfortable. And there's a hadith in, 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 in the Imam Nawawi's book that's, that states the opinion on that. He says, leave that which is doubtful for that which is undoubtful. If something is in a gray area and makes you uncomfortable, then leave it. Because why? If you do it, you're going to be up all night thinking about, should I have done this or not? But the, 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 the broad answer is, things are halal until proven otherwise. But just don't do things in excess. That's it. Okay, so he gives this beautiful, beautiful advice. And one of the most amazing things that one of the scholars they mention about this advice is how, how resonating is this of our example of dunya and akhirah, right? That in your dunya, you will have a lot of, you know, bounties, a lot of, you know, fudul. You'll have a lot of risk in your dunya at times. But Allah says, don't go extravagant in this dunya. Use a little bit of it. Don't do too much of it. Because the majority of your risk will be where? It'll be later, in the akhirah. If you do things properly in the dunya, you'll reap all the rewards over there. And this is why, by the way, the sahaba, radiallahu anhum, they used to actually almost say like, I, I hope for the majority of my risk to be in the akhirah. I don't want my reward to be here. I'd rather struggle here and, then do, and, 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 and have all my reward over there. So whatever reward I have here, I'll just use it a little bit, but I want the majority of it over there and the hereafter. Okay? And so he, he mentions this and he says, He says, then will come after that a year in which the people will be given a lot of rain. After those seven hard years, there will come down beautiful rain and people basically will be pressing you know, juices and, and drinks and they'll be celebrating because they withstood those seven difficult years. Okay? And so this, these men, or this one man, he heard about this interpretation that Yusuf salam he gave and he ran back to his king. O king, O king, ya maliku, let me tell you what, what Yusuf said. Let me tell you what the Siddiq he said. So he narrates to him what Yusuf told him and the malik, he is so impressed. 
He's so impressed by Yusuf alayhi salam. He says to his people, he says, وَقَالَ الْمَلِكُ أَأْتُونِي بِهِ He says, bring him to me. He goes, I'm so impressed by this man. Bring him to me. But here's the most amazing part. We're on verse number 50 for everyone who's following along. It says, فَلَمَّا جَاءَهُ الرَّسُولُ قَالَ أَرْجِعِ لَا رَبِّكَ فَاسْأَلْهُ مَا بَالُ النِّسْوَةٍ لَتِي فَطَّعْنَا أَيْدِيَهُنَّ إِنَّ رَبِّ بِكَيْدِهِنَّ عَلِيمٍ He says, but when the messenger came to him, meaning, this, by the way, I want you guys to imagine this, this man is running back and forth from the prison and the palace. Okay, He's running back and forth. He's going, he, he goes from the palace to the prison. Yusuf, I need you to tell me the interpretation of this dream. Yusuf tells him the interpretation. Goes back to the palace. Says, Ya Ayyul Malik. You know, Yusuf had this interpretation. What do you think? Malik says, A'utuni bihi. Bring him to me. So he runs back to Yusuf alayhi salam. He says, Yusuf, he wants you to go with him. He wants you to go, go, go to his palace. He wants to speak to you. And Yusuf alayhi salam, he tells him, he says, Qala ila rabbika. He says, return to your master. So Yusuf is telling him, no, 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 no. Return to your master. He goes, return to your master. فَاسْأَلْهُ مَا بَالُ نِسْوَةِ اللَّتِي He says, return to your master and ask him about the case of the woman who قَطَّعْنَا أَيْدِيَهُنَّ They cut their hands. Ask him about those women. Ask him about those women. إِنَّ رَبِّ بِكَيْدِهِنَّ عَلِيمٌ Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-knowing Kaidihinna alim. He knows the, 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 what they plotted against me. So what is Yusuf alayhi asking this man to do? Go back to your king and tell him to investigate that case that happened these, all those years ago. He say, because the king already offered him his freedom. Right? When he says, bring him to me. Bring him to me. Yusuf got his freedom. The king was so impressed by this interpretation that he says, I'm bring him to me. He's free. But Yusuf alayhi salam is not okay with that answer. What does he want? He says, ask him about those women who cut their hands and tried to seduce me. I can be free, but my reputation will still be tarnished. And subhanAllah, think about, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he talks about this in a hadith by the way. The morals of Yusuf alayhi salam, the, 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 the ethics of Yusuf alayhi salam. Imagine, I mean, put yourself in these shoes. If you were in prison for seven years wrongfully, right? Seven years you were in prison wrongfully. The minute you get word of any sort of freedom, you don't care what manner that freedom will come in, you just are so elated and happy that that freedom is here, so you'll just you'll run out the doors. But Yusuf alayhi salam is a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is his goal? His goal is not freedom. His goal is to make sure that my reputation is true and clean. I can head out these, the cells, of the, the, the walls of this cell, but people will still have questions about my honor and my truthfulness. Go ask your king about, about that case. Have him clear my name. And so the Prophet ﷺ, there's a very beautiful hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, he says, uh, and, I'll, and I'll say it in Arabic and I'll translate it inshallah. He says, 
He says, Allah have mercy upon Lut He wished to have powerful support but never got it. If I were to stay in the prison for as long as Yusuf did, I would have accepted this offer. So the Prophet ﷺ is praising Yusuf ﷺ. He's saying that if I was in the position of Yusuf ﷺ, I would have just taken the offer of the king. Think about it. The Prophet ﷺ is saying this. He's the greatest of all the prophets. He's saying even I would have been tempted to take that offer. But Yusuf ﷺ did not. What did he want? He wanted his reputation to be clean first. Okay? He wanted his reputation to be clean first. So he says, فَاسْأَلْهُ مَا بَالُ النِّسْوَةِ الَّتِي قَطَّعْنَا أَيْدِيَهُنَّ Ask him about the woman that cut their hands. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what their plot was. I'm not leaving this prison until my name is cleared. Okay? So at this moment, these, the, the king, he gathered these women. He gathered these women that were accused of this seven years ago. Okay? And he gathered these women... And he, while being hosted at the house of the wife of the Aziz, he asked them all, he says, what transpired seven years ago? Come clean right now. Okay? So he goes, what was your condition? He says, what was your condition when you sought to seduce Yusuf Tell me what happened right now. And... They start to speak. The woman, they start to speak. I mean, imagine this is seven years have passed by. This is not like a small amount of time. Most people, seven years have passed by. They say, oh, you know, I, I, I kept up a lie seven years ago. I, I sure can keep it up now. I'm not going to tell the truth now. I'm going to continue telling my lie now. I haven't gotten caught for seven years. And this is also, by the way, another really beautiful wisdom here that tells you that the truth will always out. Think about this. Seven years ago... Imagine a lie you told seven years ago. Is there any way that that thing will possibly come up again? Seven years ago, that thing's janazah is over. You've done, it's gone. It's in the grave now. Can you imagine seven years later? Hey, remember seven years ago you told your brother that lie? And you, how? Seven? How'd you find out about that? It's like a shock. So the king, he asked them about it. And they say, قُلْنَا حَاشَ لِلَّهِ Hasha lillah, by the way, is like an Arabic phrase that is almost like, oh my God. Hasha lillah. Hasha lillah, like quite more literally means like how perfect is Allah. But it's more of like a subhanallah. You know when people are surprised, subhanallah, they, they, they cry out subhanallah. Hasha lillah was like their way of saying subhanallah. Say, oh my God. Ma alimna alayhi min su'in. They say to him, they say to the king, we know about him no evil. So they immediately, they don't even try to cover up their lie anymore. They say to the king that we know nothing. Alimna alayhi min su'in. Ma alimna. We don't know any, anything about him to be evil. There's no point in lying about this anymore. If it's come up seven years later, we're just going to tell the truth now. Okay? And then they say, Qalati imra'atu al-aziz al-ana. They 
Now the wife of the Aziz, she speaks up. Because she is the one who's truly guilty of these crimes. The other women, I mean, they were along for the ride, but they were not the, the, true, uh, the true composers of this entire movement. The true brains behind the movement was that, Amra'atul Aziz, the wife of the Aziz. So she speaks up and she says, at this point, قَالَتِ Imra'atul Aziz, الْآنَ حَسْحَسَ الْحَقُّ حَسْحَسَ الْحَقُّ It literally means that the truth has now become evident. Okay? The word hasa is very beautiful, by the way. For those of you who are kind of more grammatically oriented, the word hasa in Arabic literally means when something is manifest in front of everyone. Like it's out in the open. Hasa. It means something has become very clear. Something's become very clear and evident in front of everyone. There's no bending the, the truth anymore. Hasas, it's all out there in the open now. It's almost undeniable at this point, the evidences of this. Okay, so she says, "Has In fact, I was the one who tried to do this to him. I will admit it. Has All the evidence is out here. Yusuf is now free, or he's on the verge of becoming free. These women have all admitted, "Hasha lillah, ma we don't know him to be of evil. Not even her accomplices are admitting to Yusuf salam's freedom or his innocence. You know, like it's one, it's one thing when a group is in on it together, but now your group has defected. Your group who you trusted to keep this lie going has now defected. They're saying, yeah, I don't know anything evil about this man. So this is why the Imratul Aziz, she says, fine, I give up. I give up. Hasas al-Haq, it's all come out now. And I'm the one who sought to seduce Yusuf alayhi salam. وَإِنَّهُ لَمِنَ الصَّادِقِينَ And indeed, he is of those who are الصَّادِقِينَ I want you guys to really think about this. How many times has Yusuf alayhi salam been described as صَادِقِينَ here? He's صَادِق, 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 صَادِق How important is truthfulness in our religion? Seriously. I, I can't even you know, emphasize this anymore. How important is truthfulness in this religion? Truthfulness is such a huge part of this deen. We cannot underappreciate how amazing this, 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 this aspect of our deen is. You want anything good to happen in your life? Just be a sadiq. Be a sadiq. Be a sadiqa. Be a person who is un, just unapologetically truthful. Even if that truth is hard at times. I know sometimes like our... our uh, our, 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 our nesha, you know, our, 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 our desires to sometimes hide truth. Even say, we say we have good intentions. We say, oh, you know, I'm hiding the truth because it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. Oh, I'm hiding the truth because I, I, it's uncomfortable. It's going to put everyone in an uncomfortable situation. There's ways of being truthful and also adhering to people's emotions as well. Yusuf salam didn't just outwardly just say the truth and just completely, you know, abandon everyone else's goodwill. Yusuf was truthful and at the same time he preserved people's honor. I mean look, this man was not even willing to oust the wife of the Aziz until she actually lied herself. Like this is the honor that he has in his life. But we learn over and over again, Siddiq, Siddiq is something that is always going to be admired in this deen. Okay? So, the... Aziz, so she, so, so now, now verse number 52 is interesting. I want everyone to pay attention to this. Because verse number 52, 
there's ikhtilaf. There's a majority opinion on who said verse number 52, but there is ikhtilaf on who actually said the content of verse number 52. So verse number 52, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He describes, He says, ذَلِكَ لِيَعْلَمَ أَنِّي لَمْ أَخُنْهُ بِالْغَيْبِ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَهْدِي كَيْدَ الْخَائِنِينَ So the verse it says, so we, we, you know, Yusuf is an honest man, verse number 51, and I sought to seduce him. Verse number 52 it says, so that is so Al-Aziz will know that I did not betray him in his absence. And that Allah Ta'ala does not guide the plan of the betrayers. So now there's ikhtilaf on who said this. So there are some scholars who say that the wife of the Aziz, she said this. That she said that I will admit to the, the, to the truth now because I want the Aziz, her husband, to know that we, I did not betray his trust actually. Like there was actually no actual zina that was, that, that, that was engaged in. It was just an attempt and Yusuf denied. Okay? So I'm saying this now, so the Aziz, my husband, he knows that I did not betray anni lam akhunhu bil ghayb. I didn't betray him in his ghayb. Ghayb means like unseen, when he was absent. Okay? Now there is, a, there, there is, a, there is some scholars who actually say Yusuf alayhi salam said this. Now why did you, how, how, how did they come to the conclusion that Yusuf alayhi salam said this? Because Yusuf alayhi salam also cared about the reputation of the Aziz. Yusuf alayhi salam was such a siddiq, he was such a sadiq, that even after all these years, he's saying that another intention of mine was to also let the Aziz know that I didn't betray his trust. I mean, you think about the integrity of this man. For all that he went through, that is such a small, minute concern compared to all the things that happened. All the things that happened after. You could say, I was put in prison wrongfully, these women lied about me, the, the, the Aziz tried to hide it himself, all these different things. You could say, forget the Aziz, forget the reputation of the Aziz. I'm free, I'm innocent. But Yusuf even after all these years, he says, the reason why I am a truthful man is because I also don't want the Aziz to think of me in a bad way. He's doing anything he can to free his reputation of any sort of evil. I don't want people to think badly of me. And this is why, by the way, you know, this, you know there's like this kind of discrepancy between like the older and younger generations in our ummah nowadays. Where the younger generations, they always say, oh, my parents, all they care about is reputation, 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 reputation. You know? All they care about is lokya kahenge, right? Ah, oh, what are they going to think? What's this person going to think? What's that person going to think? But you know, there is beauty behind that, by the way. Not to the point where you dictate your life based upon the you know, thoughts of other people, because you should have your own life. You should have your own thing going. You should have your own concerns. But at the end of the day, you should also make sure that people also don't think of you in a way that's different than the truth. That if there is something that is miscommunicated in the public eye, you should actually clear that reputation. Reputation matters. It does matter. Because it's going to decide how people think of you. If they can trust you or they don't trust you. If they can rely on you or they can't rely on you. These are important things for a person. Okay? And so, now in verse number 53, Yusuf alayhi salam, 
he continued, or, or now it jumps back, and this is where, by the way, the scholars who said that this was the Imratul Aziz saying this, they used the proof of verse number 53. Because verse number 53 was indeed, it was her speech. So in verse number 53, she says, وَمَا أُبَرِّيُ نَفْسِي إِنَّ النَّفْسَ الْأَمَّارَ بِالسُّوءِ So she says, and I do not pretend to be blameless. She's saying, she's like, I don't, I don't, I'm not expecting you guys to think that I'm this innocent woman now. Just because I'm coming clean with the truth and I know the damage has been done. I know the damage has been done. So I'm not saying, وَمَا أُبَرِّئُ نَفْسِي I'm not saying that I should be free of blame. إِنَّ نَفْسَ الْأَمَّارَةُ بِالسُّوءِ But I will tell you, the soul is a persistent enjoiner in evil. And this is where, by the way, the scholars, they actually list the different types of nufus, the different types of nafs. That the worst type of nafs is nafs al-ammara bisu. And this is in everybody, by the way. In every single person. There's a part of your nafs that inclines towards evil at times. This is how you were created. And this is where, you know, when everyone always blames shaitan for everything, you can't. <laughs> You can't. You weren't created perfect. You were not created sinless. You were not, you were not created this person who does not have the ability to commit mistakes and sins in their life. No, there's a part of you who's inclined towards mistakes. There's a part of you who's inclined towards sin. If this is incorrect, then guess what? You would walk by every person in life without having any inclination towards any haram in your life. If there's a moment in your life where you were even tempted... To do something that was not righteous or pious, you have proven that nafs al-amara bisu is a part of who you are. But the goal of a Muslim is to control it. That's the goal of a Muslim. Allah does not expect perfection from you and I. In fact, there's an authentic hadith of the Prophet where he says that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had created you perfectly, He would destroy you and recreate you as a fallible creation that had the ability to make istighfar. Did everyone hear that hadith? It's very important. That if you were created perfectly, Allah would destroy you. Allah would terminate you. And He would recreate you as someone who could make mistakes but ask Him for forgiveness. Which proves the point of being a human being is to not be perfect. The point of being a human being is to try as the best as you can. That's the best advice that anyone can give. When it comes to your deen, don't try to think that, oh, I should be perfect. If I make a mistake, then I'm shaitan. No. If you make a mistake, just make istighfar. This is what Allah created you to do. This is a part of who you are as a person. Okay? And she says, إِلَّا مَا رَحِمَ رَبِّ إِنَّا رَبِّ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ She says, and accept those upon which my Lord has had mercy upon me. And indeed, my Lord is Ghafur Rahim. He is the all-forgiving and all-merciful. And so the king in verse number 54, He says, bring him to me. I will appoint him exclusively for myself. And when he spoke to him, he said, indeed, you are today... 
So he brings Yusuf alayhi salam. Yusuf is now free of any sort of allegations. Yusuf alayhi salam is free of any sort of ill will or ill thought. He is now a free man. The, the, the Imratul Aziz, the wife of the Aziz, has now admitted her, 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 her guilt and she begs the king for mercy. Now, what happens to her? Allahu alam. There is actually, we'll, we'll talk about this at the end of the surah. There's a difference of opinion actually about what happened to her after this, uh, after this entire ordeal had taken place. But we'll discuss this inshallah in, 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 in due time. But at this moment, Yusuf alayhi salam is free. But what he says to the king is very interesting here and we'll end with this inshallah. He says, so Yusuf السلام, he takes this freedom He says, oh you know, alhamdulillah I'm free now But I would like something I would like something for all of my time that I did in prison It's very interesting Because now it teaches you that as a Muslim Yeah, alhamdulillah, it's good To obviously have that clean, pure intention but now when you, you have a moment of opportunity, it's not haram to request certain things. So Yusuf, he says at this moment, he says, أَجْعَلْنِي عَلَىٰ خَزَائِنِي الْأَرْضِ He says, make me in charge or put me in charge of the storehouses of this area. The storehouses meaning like he's like the treasure. He's in charge of like the money and the, the, the crops and all of the different provisions and the land. He wants to be in charge of that. But check this, this is very beautiful. He says at the end of this, he says, Inni Hafidun Alim. He says this about himself. He says, Inni Hafidun Alimun. He says, I am I am capable of taking care of this because I'm Hafid. I'm I'm trustworthy, I can preserve it, I can do honor to this, and I'm Alim. I also have knowledge on this. Okay? So this right here, I, I joke around with people about this. I said, this is the fatwa of job interviews. <laughs> so if you go on a job interview and you have these, you know, subhanAllah, mashaAllah, Allahu Akbar brothers and sisters who think that, you know, oh, subhanAllah, I can't, I can't praise myself in a job interview. This is haram. This is kibr. This is arrogance, right? This is, by the way, when Muslims misinterpret the deen. <laughs> they make Islam more religious than it actually is. Oh, I can't go to a job interview and say that I'm a good guy and oh, I deserve this, right? I'm fit for the job. Oh, this, is, this sounds too arrogant of a person, right? This is boasting and this is, this is bragging. Yusuf alayhi salam, he said, إِنِّي حَفِظٌ عَلِيمٌ If you have the ability to, 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 to say that, you know, I, 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 I have confidence in my abilities to do these things, then go, about, go ahead and do it. But the condition is very beautiful here and I'll share this here. That Yusuf alayhi salam, he said this and is permissible in certain settings. And what settings is permissible? In the setting in which you are put in a position of trust. That a person is making a decision based upon trust. So if say for example, a brother or a sister says, can I trust you? You know, let's say like, I, you know, I have my keys with me, right? So if I say, listen, uh, let's say, you know, this brother named Muhammad, hey Muhammad, can I trust you with my keys? Oh, brother, uh, Allah, Allah Ta'ala told me not to brag. I don't know if you can trust me with those keys. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense logically in the religion. If I'm saying, Ya Muhammad, can I trust you with my keys? Muhammad says, no, no, no I, you can't. You can't trust me. I'm a trustworthy person. Leave your keys with me. I'll make sure that I keep them safe. This is more Islamic. 
than to think, oh, you know, brother, Allah Ta'ala has told us in the Qur'an to not be of those who are filled with kibr, of arrogance. So I cannot tell you that you can trust me with your keys because I'll be bragging, right? If you just think about it, this sounds, this sounds very, very like foolish, nonsensical. So when you're put in a position of trust, it is permissible to reconfirm and confirm a person's and affirm a person's trust within you. And number two, and this is very beautiful to think, this is very beautiful. So Yusuf salam is inni hafidun alim. The second condition is so that you can prevent that trust going into the wrong hands. Understood? So Yusuf salam, he says to the king that I'm hafidun, I'm alim. Why? Because I know that I'm capable of doing this and I don't want you to put your trust in a person that's not worthy. So trust me. Okay, trust me. I can take care of this inshallah. So that's the second condition is so that you make the intention that that trust doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Okay, so Yusuf alayhi salam, Allah ta'ala says, وَكَذَلِكَ مَكَّنَّا لِيُوسُفَ فِي الْأَرْضِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has established Yusuf in the land. And so inshallah we'll pause with verse number 56 and we will continue inshallah ta'ala next uh, Wednesday continuing on with the second half of verse number 56.